Hey, it was pointed out to me that I said the first six or eight rows. We only have eight or nine rows, so let's just make a rule. You can't sit in the last three rows. You can sit in the first up till the last three. The last three are there, right? I allowed to sit in the last three rows, buddy. Oh, cool. So, so mine's, really mine's no more half than you. So, today officially marks, if you're following a specific calendar, today will officially mark the first Sunday of Advent. And so, we don't necessarily follow that liturgical, I can't even say the word, liturgical calendar, but, but and, and Advent for, depending on what church you go to and, and just how you, how you were raised, could mean a lot of different things. Here's what the word Advent means. It just means coming. It means this anticipation of the coming of something. And for us, it's Jesus. For us, when we talk about Advent and anticipating the, the coming of, it's Jesus. And there's three ways that we can look at that. We can look at that as far as the Advent of, of the Messiah coming when he, that he came, right? We can look at it as the Advent of the Messiah within us, of Christ within us. And then we can look at it as, at the Advent of, of, of Christ of his second coming. And, and as Christians, that's probably what we look at most is, is this, this anticipation of the, of the Christ we follow coming back and returning to, to, to get his children, right? For the, the second coming that we talk about. But in, in the Christmas thought, we, we talk about Advent as the coming and we're, we're anticipating this Christmas morning, this celebration of the birth of Jesus, of, of, of the baby in the manger, of, of the reason why we're Christians, is that Jesus came to die for us. And, and, so, and so we're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks, and, and just kind of this idea of, of our heart and, and the home that we're called to be a part of. And so as you can see, it says, a heart has a home. And, and we're going to look at the Gospel of John, which really, there's not a whole lot of baby in the manger talk in the Gospel of John. But, but let's just talk about homecoming. When we talk about homecoming, it, it seems to be a pretty popular theme around Christmas time. So, so maybe a, a soldier would be, would be dreaming of, of going home for the holidays. Maybe a college student, you know, you pack up and you leave campus and you go home for the holidays. Maybe it's a, a, a movie, a feel-good movie that you're going to watch on TV. Uh, there's that one movie where the kid is in college and he promises his family he's a kid from uh, Tool Time. Promises his little family he'll make it home for Christmas going to do it, and he has to go through all those trials and stuff to get home, or, or the Soldier Homecoming movie, and it's a feel-good movie that, that makes you feel like, oh, yes, it's really a Christmas, a Christmas day when, when we make it home. And the theme of Homecoming runs through the Bible with this idea that our hearts have left the Father's house, and we're in exile, and through Jesus Christ, we're being drawn back into relationship with the Father, into the home of our Father. And so that's kind of what we're going to look at over the next few weeks. And like I said, when we when we look in the Bible, if you were to turn the Bible, say, I want to read about the story of, the, of Christmas. You're going to turn in Matthew, you're going to turn in Luke. But very few times are you going to see a Christmas play on Sunday morning with all the kids dressed up in their mom and dad's bathrooms and with cotton balls all over them because they're the little sheep. And they're going to be doing any kind of a rendition of the Christmas story of the book of John. When we were kids, we had, we had, we were the Christian family in our neighborhood, so we started off with a, a pizza pan that was a, a big, we had this pizza restaurant that would deliver this giant pizza to you, and it would be on the pan, and then you would have to turn it in. Well, we kept the pan. We 
whole the family would be dressed And we took um, letters, decal letters, and we wrote Luke chapter 2. And we posted it in our front yard and put a light on it. And I remember one of our neighborhood kids said, Channel 2? What is this? And it was like, oh, Luke chapter 2, the Bible, you know, a Christian family. And then what we did is we took and we made these, these big, four by eight probably, sheets of plywood, and we made frames on them. And then my mom painstakingly wrote out the Christmas story of Luke chapter 2. And then we would put them like this on the yard and stick them down and put a red ribbon down them. So it looked like it was an open Bible in Luke chapter 2. And we'd shine all these lights on it. And then my dad had me take and a skill saw and cut out the wise men, and we painted up wise men, and we had them planted all over the yard. This was our family. So we always were looking at, in Luke, of the Christmas story. But when you look at, when you look at the Gospel of John, it, you're not seeing a whole lot of baby in the manger, and shepherds, and wise men, are you? But the, the story of Christmas is, is in the Gospel of John. The coming of the newborn baby is in the Gospel of John. But what John does is, John, John reaches way back into time, and he brings forth the Christmas story. And he starts it in, in verse 1 of chapter 1. He says this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And then if you go down to verse 14, it says this. The Word became human and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. That's the Christmas story. The Christmas story is the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us to bring salvation to us. And that's how John, John pulls the light and, put, and shows us the light that has come into the world to bring salvation into this dark world. And that's the story of, of Christmas in the Gospel of John. Another thing that he, he shares is, is the theme of a homecoming John. And it says this in John 14, it says, don't let your heart be troubled, trust in God and trust also in me. There is more enough than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And, and, and the picture that he's painting for the Jewish community at the time, they understand that, that in that time, the, the oldest son got, got a huge inheritance, and it was his job to make sure that the rest of the family for generations now were taken care of. And the way they worked is they would have their house, and they would go and add rooms onto the father's house. And, and the father, if you will, would be responsible for maybe three to four generations living underneath this house. And so when Jesus shares this with, with the people of the time, they fully understand the picture that he's doing for them. And for us, what it's saying is he's going away and he's preparing a place for us to come into relationship with God. For us, when he comes back, there's going to be a place for us. And that's that idea of our hearts being drawn back into the Father's house and dwelling in and that our hearts have a place within the Father's house. This morning, kind of the, the, the kickoff for the Advent is this idea of that we have a hope of the coming King. We have a hope of Jesus coming. The gift of Jesus reveals that the Father is aware and is involved in our world-long struggles us to hope. And one of the most famous verses that we find in the Bible is John 3, 16. You see it waving, you'll see it if you watch football today, it'll always be waving behind the goalpost, or it'll be on a bumper sticker or on a billboard. And, and it says this, it says, For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that everyone who believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. And 
Verse 17 says, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world. And there's two characteristics in this verse that show us that God loves us and that he's involved in our life to draw our hearts back to him. And, and the first is that God loves when it says God love, it's talking about love that is not conditional. It's talking about love that 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 is not motivated by anything selfish. It's talking about a, a giving love. It's talking about a love that says no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter what your past has been, when God looks at you, He loves you. Sometimes the way God loves unconditional, we don't have a frame of reference for it. We don't understand that foundation, right? Because, because we look at our situation and we say, what have we done to deserve God's love? What, what have I done? Why do I, do I deserve God's love? And then when we <coughs> walk in that God's out of love, and his motivation for all he does in this world, and all he does in you and for you, is motivated by his love for you. That shows us that, that there's, a, there's a hope that our heart can be restored to him. That shows us there's a hope for our family members that are, that are distanced from him that can be restored. And then the, the second characteristic that, that we see in this verse is God gave. God is a giver. When, when we look at the purest form of unconditional love, when we look at a love that empties itself of one another. If I'm going to truly love somebody, I'm going I'm to deny myself and my rights and pour out myself onto someone else. And when, when God gave his son, he was emptying his rights and, and emptying his 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 responsibility, not responsibilities, but what's the word I'm looking for? His his rights. Let's just stick with rights. And giving us his son to redeem us back to him. And he's and he's calling our hearts back to him. The flesh, the, the word became flesh is the is the story of the Christmas story that we're gonna walk into. And and what we're gonna look at over the next few weeks is just how how the word became flesh touched different people. And today it's hope that because the word became flesh, we have hope that God is a loving God. We have hope that God's a giving God. We have hope that we can come back to him and come back into the Father's house. So, so what we want to do is we want to enter into a time of just of extended worship. And we want to reflect on this idea that as we come into the Christmas season, that, that God loves us. And, and sometimes that's hard for us to grab hold of. Sometimes... The understanding of the unconditional love is, is hard for us to grab hold of. And so I want to just ask that you would, you would focus on this idea that God loves you. And God gave for you so that you can be restored back to Him. So would you stand with me? And, and we want to just pray and invite, invite God to join us. We want to pray and maybe settle ourselves a little bit. And um, just commit this next time. The word has been made flesh to save the world. Father, God, there's hope for this world because of who you are. We have hope knowing that your love is pure, knowing that the power of your love is not motivated by anything other than, other than to draw your people back to you, to draw hearts back to you, to see that wandering heart come home. And so, God, I, I pray that for anybody who's in here right now and they may struggle with this idea that you love them. They may struggle with an idea that the lie that you've left them, that you, you're not faithful, that, that, that you don't do and follow through with what you say, that, that in this Christmas time, 
as we reflect on, on, on you, that, that there would be a clearing up of that, of that line. And there'd be an understanding of your unconditional love for us. God, I, I, I pray that, that the idea that you're a giver, that you give to us, is not, is not overlooked. God, I pray that, that for the people in our families and in our lives that maybe, maybe have wandered from you, that the knowledge and the hope that you have given your son would, uh, would be what draws them back. And as we, as we go into this Christmas season, that we would have this hope, this anticipation that on Christmas morning when we celebrate the, the birth of the baby, we will also be looking for the, the return of your son to come back and, and so we can dwell forever with you. So Lord, we, we just give you this time of worship. God, I pray that each person here would be committed to, to worshiping you, focused on you, not worried about what, what's going on around them, but just a time that we can we can truly honor and worship you. So God, we ask that you be, be blessed in this time and glorified in this time. You are the audience. In Jesus' name.